Hello and welcome back to a brand new season of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is a, a podcast where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. It's hard to believe that we're on season seven with the Scattered Abroad Network, but uh, here we are. This season, we plan on hopefully discussing an interesting topic. I think it's pretty interesting. And the topic is the struggle is real. We want to talk about day-to-day struggles that Christians face. We really want to kind of get back to the roots of this podcast, if you will, talking about different things that are everyday struggles, if you will. And so uh, with that, I'll give you our co-host for the first few episodes this season, and it's going to be Haston Hanley. Haston will be with us for these first three episodes. He is a producer that helps us kind of a lot behind the scenes with the Scattered Abroad Network. Would you like to introduce yourself, Haston? Yeah, I'm Haston Hanley. I'm a 2016 graduate of the two-year program at Memphis School of Preaching, a 2017 graduate of the missions program. Uh, I preach here at the Pine Grove Church of Christ in Fulton, Mississippi. I'm married to my wife, Chloe. We've been married uh, coming up on five years. And uh, yeah, I've been working with, with Scattered Abroad since late August. And it has definitely been keeping me busy, but I'm loving every bit of it. And I'm glad to be able to be here and uh, talk about some struggles. Sure. Well, kind of get us, kind of clue us in, if you will, on what a producer does. I know there's a lot of different side projects and things that you can kind of help us with. Um, Anything that stands out to you? Uh. Pretty much, I'm the guy that gets called if you need something done so far. Uh, looking into speakers, trying to organize uh, topics and themes. Um, really just kind of being a talent scout, helping upload videos or rather podcasts and mm-hmm. just getting the ball rolling on everything, making sure things get put out on time and uh, really make sure we as a network build up good relationships with each other too. Awesome. So kind of like in the creativity sphere and kind of help us keep things fresh and things of that nature. Uh, We appreciate your help for sure, as well as uh, everybody who helps. We have a lot of people with the Scattered Abroad Network that kind of help behind the scenes, uh, not just the host, but but many others uh, as well. So we appreciate you for helping us. And uh, Something else I was going to ask you. Oh, I was just going to comment. Uh, my time and, and your time at Memphis kind of overlapped. I graduated from the regular program uh, the same year that you graduated the mission program in uh, 2017. So got to know Haston pretty well and appreciate you and uh, your wife and everything that y'all do in the ministry there in uh, Mississippi. So we're going to go ahead and get into our discussion for this week. Again, the season theme is The Struggle is Real, and this week we're talking about struggling with a lack of growth. So, Haston, in what ways do you think that a lack of growth, in what ways are are those problematic for Christians? Really, the, the main goal of a Christian, we define it multiple different ways throughout uh, preaching and throughout the life of a Christian. But usually you get the phrase of, my goal is to get to heaven and to bring as many people with me as I can. 
or something along those lines to get to heaven and to uh, be faithful to God, things like that. But at the heart of it, if we don't seek to grow as a Christian, and if we just are happy with where we are, if you will, we kind of begin to slide back. If we are not pushing ourselves to grow as a Christian, uh, there are many passages that warn about that throughout the New Testament and throughout the Old Testament as well, really, as growing in the knowledge of God. We look at passages like uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. That's very direct about needing to grow. And if we don't grow, if we aren't uh, seeking to better ourselves, then we start to fall short on most, if not all, of our other commandments. Uh, if we don't know what we're talking about, we don't have as much ability, I should say, to go and talk to someone that's lost or uh, Jude chapter three or verse three, uh, going and earnestly contending for the faith. We can't do what Second Timothy two two says, which is to teach others uh, about being faithful and how to grow. If we don't grow then we become underdeveloped Christians. And if we start having enough underdeveloped Christians, then we get to a point where the church itself is becoming underdeveloped. And we don't need a whole bunch of underdeveloped congregations that's negatively impacting what the church is doing. Uh, you look at uh, the world today, or the church today, and you have... A lot of congregations, they're struggling finding enough teachers, struggling to find men that are qualified for elders because they don't know enough. Uh, even uh, in our profession, we are struggling with a lack of preachers because people aren't taking the time to grow or to see the need to be a preacher or anything like that. Yeah, and I think that there's a direct correlation between lack of individual growth of Christians and lack of congregational growth. And I mean, we have to face it. There are a lot of congregations that are not only not growing as they should, but they're actually starting to die off. And um, every year there are congregations that are closing their doors. And I think that the bottom line is if you don't have individual Christians who are growing the way that they should, then of course, by default, the congregations where those Christians are, if they're made up primarily of Christians who are not growing, well, then the congregations are not going to grow, and that's a major problem. I think about uh, a good analogy that Paul makes in uh, 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. He talks about how bodily exercise profits a little. You know, a little, a little physical exercise is good when it comes to our physical bodies, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. You know, we need to think of it that way as, you know, bodily exercise. Sure, that will, that will, uh, if we push ourselves in that way, we will grow uh, in physical stamina and what whatnot. But more so and, and so much more importantly, godliness, allowing ourselves to grow in godliness is going to be infinitely more profitable and more important. And if we're not growing, sometimes I say it this way, if we're not growing, then by default, that means we're regressing. We're 
we're uh, heading in the wrong direction. So I think that these are definitely uh, important discussions that we need to have and uh, certainly something that is a good way to start off this season as hopefully we as everyday Christians are seeking uh, to grow. You mentioned uh, Hebrews 5 verses 11 through 14. I want to go to that passage and I want to make a quick comment about verse number uh, 14, the end of that section. So let me turn over there. Hebrews 5, verse number 14, it talks about those who uh, really should be a lot further along in their growth than they are, and they are still babes in Christ when they should be, uh, you know, they're still being fed milk when they should be fed by the the, uh, meat of the word at this point. And in verse number 14, it says, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You know, I think that there's also a direct correlation between lack of growth and the immorality that sometimes runs rampant through our congregations. Uh, Why do many congregations struggle in a major way? I mean, all of us are going to struggle in our lives with sin from time to time, it's going to crop up in our lives sometimes, but some congregations really seem to have major struggles with rampant sin. I mean, I think of Corinth, uh, which Paul addresses in First Corinthians. So I think there's a direct correlation between lack of growth and rampant immorality. Well, why? Well, because Hebrews 5 verse 14 says that those who are growing, they have their senses exercised they have the ability to recognize and discern good from evil. If we're not growing, we're not going to recognize those things. Therefore, of course, we're going to be involved in, in immorality. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's exactly like what you said. If we don't open our Bibles, if we don't learn what's right and wrong, if we're not growing in understanding any of that, then it makes falling into those pitfalls, the snares of the devil, so much easier because uh, you look at um, passages like Second Peter chapter 1, you look around verse 8 and 9, if you're not growing as a Christian, you're going to fall. You're going to have these difficulties. You're going to stumble because it's almost like becoming a stagnant pool of water. If you're not flowing, if you're not growing and moving, you're going to stagnate and you're going to become something that you really should never be as a Christian because we're not putting in effort. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Great, uh, great analogy for sure. So what are some ways that a lack of growth manifests itself, I guess, more specifically in Christian lives? guess I need to find a polite way of putting what the first thought popped into my head is. Uh, stupid mistakes, I guess. Uh, not, not avoiding the things that are right in front of you and are obviously problems, but just running headlong and thinking, well, that might happen to everybody else, but it's not going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that mentality and... You think about the idea even of thinking that we're one way but realizing that we're not. 
thinking that we're grown up and mature. Uh, I was 17 when I moved into preaching school. I turned 18 the day before orientation, and I thought I was a grown adult. It took about four days for me to realize I was not grown. Uh, Once I started having to cook all of my meals, once I had to start providing for myself in the sense of going to the grocery store and things like that, when we seek to be Christians and think that we're grown and we think we can take on more, we're not mature, not where we need to be, then we start realizing more and more temptations are coming our way that we've kind of invited on ourselves because we're going about it our own way. And then you also have to think about a a different way. We are going up against a very creative, a very smart, and a very wily opponent in the devil. Uh, I like thinking about the devil almost as Wiley Coyote uh, to an extent. He tried everything to catch the Roadrunner, and it was ingenious. There were crazy ways of going about it, but it always failed because the Roadrunner outsmarted him. Our job as Christians is to go about and outsmart the devil with our determination to be faithful and to grow and to, as even Christ did in Matthew chapter 4, use the Bible to combat the wiles of the devil. But if if we're not growing, then we obviously don't have that tool at our disposal. Yeah, that's a a great point. You know, I'm reminded of Psalm 119 verse 11. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Well, how many Christians can't say that because they're not hiding the word of God? in their hearts. Uh, I'm also reminded of, you know, I think there's a factor to this of pride. Uh, first, ten, first uh, Corinthians 10 verse 12, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. How many times do we, we trick ourselves into thinking, Oh, you know, the devil won't get me that way. Oh, um, you know, I can tippy toe around this line over here, but as, as long as I get near it, but don't step over it, I'll be fine. And it, how many Christians, yes, they try to tiptoe around it, and then they very quickly step over the line because they're getting too close to it. So I think that we've got to remain humble. We've got we've got to uh, not be prideful and uh, think that, oh, I've got this. You know, the devil won't get me with that. Because as soon as we get to thinking that way, we will fall. And um, unfortunately, that happens all the time because the devil loves to use uh, those schemes, those tools, uh, kind of like, like you said, with the, the coyote, he's very much that way. Let's walk through the, uh, the Christian graces. You mentioned second Peter chapter one, uh, verses eight and nine. I want to actually begin in verse number five and uh, we'll read down to verse 11 or so. And second uh, Peter one, beginning in verse five, it says, but also for this very reason, Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short, short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins." 
Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So much there that reminds us. And as often is the case when I'm reading through my New Testament, there are so many verses where I think, yep, that defeats the idea of once saved, always saved. Yep, that defeats the idea of once saved, always saved. There are so many verses. I don't see how anybody can believe in that false doctrine. But anyways, as it pertains to us as everyday Christians, striving to be faithful and striving to grow, we have to realize that there are some things that we have to add to the most basic uh, foundational building blocks of our faith, if you will. And so that's what we're going to talk about here. The first part of this section in uh, that I really want to highlight in verse number five is giving all diligence. So to me, this tells us that it's going to take a lot of hard work and effort to grow to the point that we really want to be as Christians. Some Christians don't want to put in the effort to actually grow. So what are your thoughts about giving all diligence? That is uh, one of my favorite words of the Bible is diligence because that's what we as Christians have to be. We have to have seriousness. We have to have intention and we have to be really determined to grow. Uh, We think about uh, many passages about the idea or even just use the word diligence, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six, but without faith is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that casually seek him, no, that uh, passively seek him once a week on Sunday morning. No, it says he's a, a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That idea of giving it your all, that idea of even self-sacrificing free time to study self-sacrificing, the idea of it's not me first, it's seeking to be faithful to God. That idea of pressing towards the mark, which again is another very biblical statement, is pressing towards the mark and having that intention to reach it. Uh, I'm not a runner, but I have several friends that are, and they go out to run a half marathon or a full marathon. They don't just stop two miles in and say, well, I'm done. I've, I've reached my mark, so I'm going to stop. No, they keep pressing until they cross the finish line. Some races, it's a whole lot easier than others. But the truth is, is they have to be diligent about that race or else they're not going to finish it. If we don't give diligence to add these things to our life, then some of these that we're going to discuss in the next few verses just won't happen because they're difficult to do. Uh, I did want to make a statement as well. In the next few verses, it says, add to, uh, insert, whatever it's distinct, and then it gives another characteristic. It's not a stair step that once I've completely finished having all faith, then I'll start adding some virtue. These are things we need to be working on all together. Simultaneously. Right. That's a a great point. I 
I love what you have in the outline. Um, we've kind of shared outlines here, and uh, you say obedience and faithfulness are not things that we just stumble into. That is such a great point. You know, a marathon runner is not going to run a marathon uh, just having got off the couch, right? He's got to train for that. And you think about it from a standpoint of a race, which we are in the Christian race. Uh, it's a mindset shift. We have to have a mindset that we are in this for the long haul and we have to push ourselves. You know, I used to do some running uh, begrudgingly when I was in uh, Air Force ROTC. They made us run and that was my least favorite exercise we did by far. Always got the shin splints and uh, I guess my lung capacity wasn't as good as I needed it to be. And I was just huffing and puffing through the runs, but we always did them. And when we were, especially in our physical training test that we had, I think it was uh, once a semester or so, I was always having to uh, really push myself mentally because, you know, it was a six, six lap uh, timed run uh, around the track. By around that fourth lap or so, I'm like, man, I don't know if I can keep doing this, but you've got to, you've got to strengthen your mind in such a way that you're, you overpower your mind. Your mind is telling you, I don't know if I can keep doing this, but you got to push past it and you got to keep running and you got to finish on time. And, you know, from ROTC stand, standpoint, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have passed the test and I would have gotten kicked out. Right. So we need to think of it that way when it comes to the Christian test. We've got to push ourselves. We've got to keep going, keep running the race. And if our mind is trying to trick us into stopping, dare I say, if the devil is trying to, to trick us into stopping, no longer running the race, we've got to push past that and say, you know what? I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep running. And I think uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and following is a, a great way to illustrate that uh, in verse uh, because it talks about how we have to look unto Jesus. We have to lay lay aside every weight of sin that so easy, easily besets us and keep running that race. So we'll go ahead and uh, talk about adding these various things. And I love how you said that this is a simultaneous thing. Um, add to your faith virtue. You know, faith is kind of like the starting point, and we add to that. And there are a bunch of things underneath this umbrella, if you will, of faith that faithful Christians must add diligently. So let's talk about adding to our faith virtue. Yeah, I mean, uh, that is 100% true. Faith is the thing that we start out with uh, many times. In fact, every time I preach, uh, I do the invitation and go over the steps of salvation. And the first two are hear and believe. Because those two you just have to have before anything else can happen. The same is with faith in this. Faith is our starting point. And besides all of this, add to your faith virtue. Virtue is a word. I don't use it very often in my everyday life. Some people and, might. Well, we I think society used to use this word a lot more often than we do now. And it's a shame. Because it's a great word. Right. And I think that kind of reflects back towards uh, we as a nation aren't very virtuous anymore. Because it's just the idea of anything that is worthy of praise, something that is good, something that is right, something that uh, is praiseworthy. 
we think about two passages that really bring out virtue, and that's Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Whatsoever things are good, holy, just, all of those things, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Then the other one's Proverbs 31, which uh, most of the time growing up, I always heard Proverbs 31 on Mother's Day, the virtuous woman. She was someone that was brought out to be a good and a praiseworthy woman because of all of these characteristics that she had. We have to be adding a lifestyle of praiseworthy things, not trying to get the praise for us, but trying to do good things so that God can get the glory. Uh, yep. Matthew chapter 5, verse what 16, uh, uh, do these things that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We live in a world that people see what we do, whether we like it or not. And it's going to reflect on, on God if we call ourselves Christians. Yep. What about uh, to virtue knowledge? This is one of those, uh, I said, it's kind of hard sometimes. Trying to expound your knowledge is sometimes difficult because it is something that we have to work at. Uh, there's tons of verses. You discussed one earlier uh, psalm 119 and verse 11 thy word have i hid in my heart that i might not sin against you uh skip you know a good bit of verses in that same chapter verse 105 thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path we can't say that if we don't know the word we cannot uh, do as first john chapter one would say walk in the light as he is in the light if we don't know what the light is and then we have Second Timothy, uh, study to show thyself approved unto God. If we're not studying, then there's no way that we can faithfully and completely live a righteous life in the eyes of God. It's just like the whole idea of giving diligence. We don't just stumble into faithfulness. It's something that we have to learn and we have to apply to our lives and we have to seek after that. Yep. Uh, Hosea 4, verse 6, a negative example. God's people in that text were destroyed because they had a lack of knowledge. They did not know the things that they should have known, which would have kept them uh, in God's favor. So what about to knowledge self-control? This is a big one. Yes, and ironically, it's the one I have the least written in my notes about because self-control is something that we just need to have. Yep. It is something that if we just fully give in to our basic urges or the, the temptations that come upon us, there is no way that we can live a faithful life if we do not have self-control because yeah. that's just a fact. Definitely. Um, there are several different words that characterize this same basic concept in the uh, New Testament, temperance, sobriety, self-control. Galatians yep. 5 verse 23 Self-control is included in the fruit of the Spirit. That's another really good passage to go to when we're talking about Christian growth would be Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, if we do not have the ability to practice self-control, that is, the ability to say no, you know, uh, that looks enticing, but no, I can't have that. Or, uh, you know, it would be, uh, you know, I, 
from a selfish standpoint, I would like to stay home today and do this or do that. But God's word tells me I should do this. Okay. I need to tell myself no to my selfish desires and yes to, hey, do what God said. So self-control is a huge, huge part of the Christian life. And if a Christian does not have self-control, he's going to fall into so many different things that are sinful and and he's going to create problems for himself. And uh, this is a big one. Uh, but what about what we add to self-control? And that is perseverance. I love how all of these th- uh, three things are tied together. Knowledge goes into self-control. Uh, to me, it takes self-control to sit down and acquire knowledge. So many things are distracting enough today that pull you away. But once you have self-control, you have perseverance. Overcoming those things that are actively trying to hinder your self-control. Those things are going to happen. First uh, Peter uh, 5 and verse 8 discusses the idea of the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. That's not an if he comes to take you away. That's when. Things in life happen, whether it be temptation or whether it just be life in general. Things happen. But we have to use those things to propel our spiritual growth. Uh, We have two options when bad things happen. And you see both of those in Job chapter 2. You have Job who praised God, chapter 1 and chapter 2, when he lost his family or his children, he lost his servants, he lost his livestock. Chapter 2, he loses his health. You can either be Job or his wife. Either curse God and die, or shall we receive good at the hand of God and not evil? We have to use difficult times to grow. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy when you fall into temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. You look at uh, the whole book of First Peter, really, as Peter's writing to persecuted Christians and says, persevere. Uh, you look at the Apostle Paul, who had to face so many things. Second Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse uh, 23. He goes through how many things he had to persevere against. And in all of those things, we find time and again Christians growing against all odds. Yep. Great points. What about uh, to perseverance godliness? The mindset of being reverenced, uh, reverencing and having a reverential feeling, piety or devotion. That's the technical definition of godliness. I always like the basic preacher form of it, though. It's the goal of being like God or God-likeness. That idea of trying to put self aside to glorify God. Uh, you mentioned First Peter, First uh, Timothy four eight earlier. For bodily uh, exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. First uh, Timothy again, chapter six and verse eleven. But thou, O man of God, flee these things: basic temptations, the pride of life, and uh, the desire of being recognized. 
and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. The mindset of reverence and growing closer to God is really that of letting our Christian light shine. Even in this context, we can back up a few verses to verse 3. According as his divine power has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, we have to apply God's word that he has given to us to be in any sense reverential or devoted to God or anything like that and use that knowledge that we're already working on, that self-control and that virtue to grow unto these things. We have yeah. that beautiful opportunity. Right. Well, I think of what you mentioned earlier, Matthew 5, verse 16, we're to let our light so shine before men that they will see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. How can we do that if we're not godly, if we're not striving for godlikeness? And uh, you also mentioned 1 Timothy 6, 11. Earlier in the chapter, it talks about how godliness with contentment is great gain. And I think we need to if we could just have godliness with contentment, I think we'd be in a lot better shape than sometimes we are. What about uh, to godliness, brotherly kindness? There is so much brotherly kindness that the church can grow with or need to grow in, I suppose is a better way of saying that. We hear a lot about Christians kind of putting down other Christians. We hear about, uh, belittling other people. Uh, we often even hear about congregations being difficult with preachers themselves. But we also have to realize brotherly kindness takes a lot. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians uh, 6.2. Verse uh, 10 of that same chapter is, We have therefore opportunity. Let us do good unto all men especially them of the household of faith. We have to be willing to be kind, be compassionate, and be loving to our brethren. Uh, this word is uh, phileo or Philadelphia, that idea of brotherly love. And that is a clear recognizing mark of a Christian. Verse uh, John thirteen thirty five. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one to another. We cannot really have godliness if we're seeking to tear apart the body of Christ. We can't have godliness if we're not seeking to build up and encourage the body of Christ. And many will say, well, if you're correcting a wrong that I have in my life, or if you're telling me that I'm wrong, you're not showing brotherly kindness but the truth is is that if we didn't seek to be kind to one another and care about one another we wouldn't care if somebody was falling off the deep end doctrinally or anything else brotherly love is shown in second timothy 4 verse 2 preach the word be instant in season and out of season reproving rebuking and exhorting those three things are what we need to be doing to show brotherly kindness. How much better off would the world be if we all treated each other with brotherly love and brotherly kindness, for sure? Uh, well said. 
And then lastly, uh, and to brotherly kindness, love, which kind of really flows into the same thing that we just discussed. Uh, you've got first, thir- first Corinthians 13, 13 on here. I think that's a great place to go. What does that say? Now abideth faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. My favorite viewpoint of this is breaking down why that's the case. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. One day, we will no longer have the definition of faith in God. On the day of judgment, God will be seen, God will be known. Therefore, it's something that's known and not faith. The Christian's hope is that home in heaven. Well, when we reach that, it's no longer hope. But if we have love in all of these things, that's going to endure forever. But if we don't have love here, why do we expect to have love in eternity? It's something that we have to work at because tying in with brotherly kindness, sometimes there are people that are difficult to be kind to. There are people that are difficult to love. But that does not give us an excuse to say, well, because it's difficult to do it, I'm just not going to. We still have to work at it. Yep. How can we say that we uh, love God when we don't have love for one another? Uh, There are verses that make that clear as well. Well, what can we learn from these last three verses, verses 8 through 11, Haston? Pretty much if we don't have these things, if we're not seeking to grow in them, if we're not seeking to apply them to our life, Peter doesn't mix his words about it. He says, uh, if you have these things, they make it to where uh, you're neither barren nor unfruitful. Which means if you don't have those things, you are barren and unfruitful. And John chapter 15 tells us what's going to happen to the unfruitful. Right. Be cast 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 into the fire. Right. Right. Because if you have a fruit tree outside and you're seeking to get fruit from it, and all of a sudden it's not producing anymore, it's withered up and it's died, you're not going to keep that tree there. You're going to cut it down. You're going to burn it. You're going to do whatever you want with it. Verse 9, for those who lack these things are short-sighted, focusing rather on what's in front of them. Uh, We talked about runner earlier, hitting that first wall and not breaking through to reach that finish line. Those who lack these things are short-sighted, focusing on what's right in front of them even to blindness, and have forgotten that they have been cleansed from your old sins. We so often beat ourselves up about mistakes that we've made in the past. You know, I cannot change what 13-year-old Haston did on whatever day my brain decides to think about and beat me up about. But the truth is, is that doesn't matter because I've been forgiven of that. We are able to say, verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will neither uh, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you to abundantly, uh, rather be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is a way with all of these things to continue to stand firm against the devil 
It's about knowing God's word, being determined not to fall to the wiles of the devil, loving one another, bearing one another's burdens and holding them up and getting to that finish line. Uh, a couple weeks ago was the New York Marathon. And I saw a video of the last five finishers. And three out of the last five had someone who had either finished before or had stopped along the way and helped carry them across the finish line. We as Christians have to be willing to help stand up and to help encourage each other to bring us all across the finish line. Mm -hmm. Galatians 6 verses 1 and following come to, come to my mind. That's a... Uh... Faithful Christian life summed up in a few verses right there in First uh, Peter chapter 1. I appreciate you, Haston, for helping us out in this first episode of this brand new season of the Everyday Christian Podcast. We hope that you will tune in next week as we continue another discussion with Haston. We're going to be talking about uh, the struggle is real again, struggling with complacency next week on the Everyday Christian Podcast.